Hey, what's good, people? This is the Option Podcast. This is episode 142. That guy looks like Brian McDermott. I don't know. Sometimes he got a mustache. Sometimes he's <laughs> clean shaven. But we're going to yeah. find out, okay, people? The episode starts right now. Dude, sorry about that. That was loud. <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> What's up, people? You've asked and he's returned. Got to give the people what they want. Got to give the people what they want. That's Brian McDermott. How you doing, brother? Doing great. Just yeah, uh, finished up first day of our older kids camp outside. So summer is upon us. It's been a long time coming in regards to uh, kind of having a full group again. Things have been kind of weird in, in the Midwest and running our program, but Got new coaches that are doing really well. Kids are learning. I've actually been coaching a lot of adults recently. So it was kind of a weird couple of years, but I feel like we're kind of seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. So how are you doing? Yeah. I'm good, man. I'm in, uh, Recently, I'm at LA Volleyball Club, just doing 13s uh, indoor. Uh, J.O. J.O. Jason Hall is the, the program director. Age. Um, Dane, Dane might uh, work with our beach program a little bit, but I've been hired to do both because I'm one of those you know, I'm, I'm everywhere. <laughs> so, uh, and, it, and it's a good time. Let me, let's just put it this way. Anytime you run a practice and we've talked about it before the podcast where there's this learning curve and there's constant motion. And at the end you ask, what did we learn? And like, everyone like raises their hand. It's like, damn, you need extra time, <laughs> you know, <laughs> just for the end, you know, like the cool down stretch you're doing that. So, yeah. so good times for me. And I'm glad, you know, things are uh, formulating for you, ladies and gentlemen, this is episode 142. This is the option podcast along my, along with my man, Brian McDonald. Dermon from Progression Beach Volleyball in Chicago, Illinois. I'm Jason DeBellis. I think I said that already. And um, my title is podcaster. <laughs> what the, like so we, said, jack of all trades, man. Yeah, you do it man. all. And hey, and now they shall call me master. <laughs> <laughs> so one of the things we have in common is our emphasis on uh, as coaches is uh, taking care of things we can control. You know, great coaches throughout every sport, in fact, have team success following the trail of this fundamentally important attribute to players, coaches, and, and other. So Brian, um, I want you to pick three things that are either on-court controllables or three things that are off-court controllables. You're going to do one and I'm going to do the other, okay? Uh, so what are three things right. that you tell your kids that you will always have one or control? the other? Yes. Oh, you want me to do? On I want you to pick. You yes. Do you're going to pick okay. three on and I'll pick three off or you pick three off and I'll pick three on. All right. All right. Uh, Brian McDermott, three controllables. The floor is yours. In a minute, huh? All right. Uh, I'll do on the court. Uh, first one, the serve. The serve is the one thing that's just you and the ball. Uh, I've seen almost every match that I've seen a team on paper that probably shouldn't have won the match. Um, if you can get that other team out of system, they're just like everyone else. So um, serving for pace, serving for location, serving for different heights. Like how are you using your serve to make the other team more uncomfortable? Number two, um, I'd say the intent, right? Like knowing your partner, your strengths, your weaknesses, what's your strategy to be successful um, for the other team, knowing what their strengths and weaknesses are, are the hitters, shooters, they were working cross line. Are you setting your offense and defense up to make sense for them? Third one that we control every time, just, just our, our demeanor and our competitive drive. And I think sometimes we think competitive, we think, um, you know, love to win, hate to lose. To me, competitive is how bad can things be going on the court and you're doing the controllables, the same fire, the same intensity, the same positive um, aggression every single time. 
Nice. So Ooh. you like the horn? That's that's a hard stop, and Man. you know, and timing is Three everything. Three things in you a minute. You are the master, dude. And you know what? Look, we'll explore after that. But for uh, um, because there's a bunch of controllables, I think we'd like to explore beyond that. But for now, I hope um, Kristen doesn't watch this because I think she's gonna put a minute timer on everything that I talk about. Oh man. <laughs> It's like you wouldn't believe the day I had today, honey. You okay? You got sixty seconds and go. <laughs> All right, so my turn. Uh, um, controllables off the court. One of my major controllables off the court is your general n- nutrition, right? Nobody can make you make you eat like shit. No one can make you eat junk food. You can control that the times, the amount of times you day uh, uh, that, that you do that, and then still some discipline with com- you know commensurate with diet recommendations. Two, your time in the weight room, right? Nobody can make you do the extra rep. No one can make you stay, or no one can make you leave and no one can make you instill a discipline again commensurate with training and recommendations based on whether you have studies or based on when you have a coach where experience is experience all right three uh showing up on time show up and 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 showing showing up to places ready to go you know what i'm saying getting getting adequate sleep and showing up on time i think those are not a strange best bedfellows but kissing cousins so i'm going to put them both in the cat the same category and those are three major off-court controllables and we're we're gonna we're gonna give each other our, our, uh permission to explore a little bit more as we count down to the end of this but those are my three major off-court controllables so, I love what you said, man. I, I love what you said about on court. Um, I, I'd also like to include uh, like your starting position, right, on the court. Like, ba- if you're indoor, like base one, base two, base three, or, or right, your starting position. No one can yeah, make, no one can make you play out of position, right? Um, right. In, in system setting, right? If you get someone, if you get a good pass, the other team can't make you set poorly, right? Um, sure. And I'm sure you have. Uh, I guess my follow up question before we go to the next topic, because this is about you. Um, is this a conversation you have? Um, when conditions, outdoor conditions, uh, become, how should I say, um, adventurous? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, at the end of the day, I want my kids to focus and my players to focus on what they can control a hundred percent of the time, mm-hmm. all the time. You know what I mean? Like I believe in primary versus secondary goals. I can't remember if we talked about this on the previous one. So my secondary goals are the things that I want, but never a hundred percent control. So obviously any tournament victory, any accolades, right? Anything that the supply is exceeded by the demand, right? Like you can want those things, but I don't want that to be what you base your self-esteem, how you base your confidence off of in the aspect of you, you can do all the right things and you can't control, you know, everything around you, right? The primary goals are kind of the things we just talked about, which is what do you have a hundred percent of the time no matter what that you can do to make sure that even if you're not your best that day, that it's the best it can be. Right. Like I'm always trying to say, if you're going to have a bad day physically, don't let it become a worse day mentally. Right. And, and so, you know, we were just in, in Colorado, Kristen was playing with uh, one of my athletes who's, who's 17. She's going to Arizona. She's, she's a very talented player, but she's just coming in from, from, you know, she was an indoor player that's turned into beach. She puts the time in, but, we've been doing it at our indoor facility. And so Colorado was really one of the first really windy days we've been able to experience. And, you know, just, just kind of learning how to absorb the ball a little bit differently. Like that had nothing to do with the other side. It wasn't like they hadn't necessarily seen pace like that, but between the elevation and the wind um, and frankly, not having a ceiling over us for the first time in a while, it, it took a couple matches, I think, to really get acclimated to, to how to absorb that. Um, and, and, you know, we, we took ninth out of 44 teams. I thought they, they had a really good showing the teams 
that beat them. We learned a lot of what we wanted to prepare between now and Muskegon because they are playing this weekend um, on Friday. And, and to me, all these tournaments are measuring sticks. So it's like we want to make sure that we're controlling what we can control. And when a team shows us that we're not necessarily doing everything as well as them, you know, that gives us an idea of, okay, what should our practices look like between now and the next event? With the excitement of next event, okay, how, how much better have we gotten? And if we fix that, what are the things that teams are exploiting now so we know what to work on from that point on? So, um, yeah, I always want people to, to you know, I've, I've had plenty of days where I've done everything, I've tried to do the right things, and it just hasn't been there physically. And I feel bad when, when my record at the end of every practice for my girls is going to be 500. Um, the idea that on some days you might be below 500 because the other teams playing that well or you're just not having your best day, but I like what you're trying to execute. We, we, we got to be good to ourselves. Sometimes I think we treat our partners a lot better than we treat ourselves. And that was one of the themes beginning the camp this, this morning. to my players was like, you're not here to compare yourself to your peers. You're here. So at 1230, you're better than you were at 1030. And even if physically you didn't get the things done you wanted, did you learn from those mistakes so that mm. the next time you get put in that situation, you kind of know, okay, what do I need to do differently quicker? Yeah, I definitely like that. Uh, emphasizing what we have learned, right? You win or you yeah. win or you learn. Is, um, I feel, it seems like I use a John Mayer reference every time we podcast together. You win or you learn. It's a good person, it's a good person yeah. to reference. Yeah, well, honestly, he. as far as my beach coaching life, between is Oz Borges and him. Those are my um, – I came in – look, I already came in more years of coaching than both of them put together. And, and you know, the only reason why I got hired is because someone told them I knew how to win. There was a rumor, and that rumor is greatly exaggerated. But but my beach acumen came from those guys and, and the sayings and the mixture of tough love and positive reinforcement because I don't I don't think any championship exists – championship ring exists without, with, with one and the other. So, um. Yeah, man. I like that. We covered that. Controllables. We can go on and on, but let's move on to the next topic. <laughs> I like but, it. But thanks for indulging at the end. I thought, you know, there, yeah, was, there was more to be said on that minute. So, all right. So question number two, Brian, you spent more time coaching than you do spectating. So this question is going to require some discipline on your part. All right. So yeah. I'll just get right to the point. Which American player, male or female, did you see significant improvement um, that is now showing on the competitive venues. I'll go first on this one, and you go second. Um, so the person I, I really, really appreciate in the work that she put in is Tony Rodriguez. Tony Rodriguez is a Louisiana product that tore her ACL and her other ACL and lost a scholarship playing for like a Big, a big Ten school or something like that and did, didn't get a chance to play. Eventually had that repaired and then had to have reconstructive surgery on her shoulder where they literally had to run a tube to, in, all the way in her shoulder to get it right. All the way to come back to play for LSU's team, to play for Russell Brock, all the way to being this fantastic blocker on the Australian scene. I think she took third place. And all the way until she got hurt, tragic, um, I mean, psychologically tragically hurt at uh, um, AVP NOLA. Beat Wilkerson, beat Muno. Muno was the one who was getting all the shine on the uh, via the media, Volley Mag and this and that. And uh, all everyone was talking about was her, and, and she deserves that recognition too. And she might be another player worth my notice. But I'm going on the female scene on this one. She really, really deserves, and I hope she comes back strong. Make mine, Tony Rodriguez. Nice, 
So yeah, did they? Because uh, I haven't been paying attention. Did they diagnose what exactly the injury was? All I know is she's out six weeks. But when she said she felt pain in the back of her knee, I was thinking like posterior uh, collateral ligament, right. like maybe an MCL, PCL, something, depending on which part of the back of the knee. Is that what you? I mean, we're not doctors, yeah. but as as former players, no, I just coaches, didn't know if they we set recognize out. the symptoms, don't we? <laughs> right. Well, you can see. I, you know what? I the first thing I saw was the picture. Yeah. Of her sitting after, and she had that that look that you when you're an athlete that you know. This is not. Uh, I'm done today. This is like how long how do long I have to wait to get back? Right. Yes. Um, yes. So, so I saw that, and yeah. that's all I needed to know. Um, but and I, I, had I cried. I asked my wife, "Is this weird? Why am I crying? I don't cry. Why am I crying? Why is this? Is this weird?" And because my, you're my an wife athlete. is like, "Yeah, sorry. Yeah, you're an athlete, and you know how hard players like her work. All the things you just talked about, and you know, you put that work in, and then." You know, it's part of being an athlete, but yep. it's just a chapter added that, and you never know, like even no matter how much you want it, you just never know, are you truly going to come back the same way? Right. Um, and, and again, it's like right at the beginning of summer, right at the beginning of season, like there's a lot too. And and so it, it's, you know, we get older. I mean, I, the room gets dustier, you know, in my twenties, like, it wasn't like a bragging thing. Like I just, just buried everything, you know, I'm a typical guy. And, and as I get in my thirties, I see the right commercial. I'm like, the hell's going yeah. on in here right so <laughs> so like I, I just think as you get older you get a little more you feel that human connection to okay this isn't me but i know what that person's going through i know how hard they've worked and you feel that so yeah yeah it's, it's all right hey, know, hey it's so with that being said the floor is yours 60 seconds who all right i'm gonna pick one from each uh gender i'm gonna pick uh logan weber on the men's side and i haven't gotten to watch a yes. ton but here's the deal like five years ago i played an indoor indianapolis sand tournament and he finished below me and i remember watching him and he was an athlete he was tall but i mean he was raw and i i watched you know a little bit of the forums and and it's just amazing how certain people nitpick uh certain athletes like yeah is he perfect no is he making the mistakes in my opinion that someone at his experience level should be making yes yeah. and the dude five years later went from like being below me at these tournaments so he's playing with freaking john hyden so yeah. um making it to sunday know, yeah yeah so so he's my guy like you know i think he's still on his way up and i think he's gonna be good on the women's side uh keep an eye out for what kill kim hildreth's about to do because i know she just kind of played with uh, katie spieler and, and she was kind of the big and now she, I'm interested in what she's going to do in Muskegon uh, with Denneberg. Um and, wow. and I've known her since the NVL day. She works as hard as anyone. She's very competitive. I I feel pretty good about, you know, where she's heading. Her her and Skirmahorn were, um, yeah. that was an NVL product, right? That was like well, no, them against played, Kaya she, in the finals, like all the fucking times. Skirmahorn, no, she played with uh, Marina. Um, who actually plays with my girlfriend right. for a year. Uh, and now she's on the Ukrainian beach national team, which, you know, who knows what, what that's going to be like. They're doing well, luckily. But so so Kim and, and Marina, you know, they had won an NVL. Uh, I think Marina was rookie of the year. I think at one point Kim was like best defender, best setter, fan favorite, all that. But like, I just remember, I, I attended, a you know, when she was in Chicago, she did a training session and her her husband, Kibby was there. And, and I was playing with uh, Marina's husband. Um, so we all trained together and that practice and she's a product, I think of Raquel Ferreira was, was someone she learned under, but, but Kim, like I was impressed, impressed by how she practiced as much as any athlete I ever played beach with. Um, and so to see her continue to go up, um, you know, it's always tough when you're in that, like 
you're, you're at the mid-level of the, the um, main draw, you know, kind of top of the, the tour series level. Like, you know, it's hard to, to kind of secure your partner, especially with just it's been a weird couple of years. But I, I, I really feel good about the direction she's heading. I like the way she competes. And I think she's going to find that partner that's kind of wired the same way. And, and when it clicks, look out. And I think, you know, with Dina Berg, it's going to be interesting to see what they do. I like that we both pick people who aren't exactly on the media radar either, right? I mean, pe two people who are flying under the radar who are actually doing things things uh, more uh, just as worthy or noteworthy as people who are. And I guess when it's their turn to get noticed, I really hope they do. And because Hildreth is a great choice. And Logan, time to put some respect in that boy's name, right? He made it to Sunday on um, AVP Austin so with John Hyde. Yeah. And and looks like he can play with just about anyone. Him and Evan Corey had a nice run at the end uh, uh, last year, if you remember winning mm -hmm. um seaside which got him a bid yeah. winning wapaka which got them a bid winning coconut beach for for an extra bid whatever for the hell um yep and i like that so and yeah some about acls and mcls and pcls man i mean i'm, I'm glad that we've have evolved scientifically where because when i grew up if you tore your acl yeah that was it the, the that science was, was that was you were rap. never coming could, back the same no but. you never no you never play again you're just done <laughs> that's your career you know so well i'm 50 so but um but I'm, i like your pick i like mine so topic three um this one you're gonna go first and this one came from actually a fan it's a fan question uh mm. it seems that phil has decided to roll off the couch in florida and come back and play beat you know it's a fan <laughs> hold on to roll off the couch and come back and play beach volleyball the only way he remembers how in dominant fashion the first tournament, we saw him play a little back row D to win out. And in the most recent stop in NOLA, we watched him win with a familiar face. As, as far as cracking the finals code is concerned, that is a familiar face. I get that. So with two consecutive appearances in the, uh, on, the, on the tour, both wins, the question is, which team can derail the fill train? Could Phil and John Sutton be the answer? Just kidding. I, I don't know. This that was this morning. I don't know. This morning. I don't know anything about it, but, but yeah. So that's my playful answer. Um, so what you really ask is like the men's teams. Um, you know, look, I've seen Troy play more serious with, with Chase Buttinger. I'm pleasantly surprised with some of his defensive prowess. Um, I, I didn't expect him to make that transition as smoothly. Um, there are moments where you still see where it's not a knock. It's just my observation where he's getting into it with the crowd to a point where it's like, there's things I feel you should be paying attention to that you're not right. Uh, but, but Troy is a defender and, and I think Chase is, is just doing fantastic. I think that team's only going to get better if Chase and Troy stay together. Right. And I've heard some people say rumblings. I think they're, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic. And, uh, I think Sander as a defender with a decent block would be interesting as well. I don't know if he's going to stick it out. Um, I, I can't, you know, is this just something to rest his knees a little bit before going back to indoor? Is he super serious? Um, I, I, you know, Phil said, I felt it, but Phil put it in a way that I didn't even think of it. Like, I like the idea of him being a defender so he can really crank that jump and not have to worry about running up. Um, it definitely you know, green light of them, didn't it? Yeah. So, yeah. so, you know, and Binesh I, I think, too, who has a good one. So, yeah. So, so, you know, we'll see. It's hard in June to look at the first two tournaments and say, is this what this team really is? Or are they kind of getting back to form? Right. right. So, uh, but I, I watching a little bit of international ball with Chase and Troy early, I was like, this has a lot more legs than I originally anticipated, but yeah. selfishly, like I'd love to see Chase and Sander. I think 
that that's a team I would be interested in seeing what they would do. I'd like to talk a little bit about, about Troy Phil when I'm done with my minute. So I'm just making a mental reminder because I actually saw him practicing this morning. And even uh, uh, periodically, I stick my, my head out there. Every time I stuck my head out there, he's been out there. And, and it looks like a better learning curve. And Coach Mike Campbell is a very capable coach. He's a head coach at Long Beach State. And he's the one that's coaching um, Chase Budinger and, and Troy Field. Uh, they, nice. were, they were actually scrimmaging um, Bill Kalinske and um, Evan Corey. Nice. Um, and David Lee and Sean Cook were together out there too. So that might be a team to watch. I haven't seen David all yet. It's exciting. Yeah. So well, I'm, he's going to podcast now next week. So very we'll, we'll cool. Keep our ears peeled for that one. All right. So uh, my turn. Who's the team that's gonna? Who's the team that's gonna take the old dog, take him out in the yard, and pull the trigger? All right. <laughs> Nobody really that much because he's not an old dog, and because his he's never really uh, had wear and tear because the moves he makes on the court don't require wear and tear. So he's got Phil's IQ. For from 2022 he's got phil's um still phil's phys uh, um, physical prowess from 2008 you know still not that much of a curve not that much of a drop off where he's still doing it but there is one team i know once they get that number they're going to beat them all the time and that's trevor crab and triborn trevor and try on the international scene have enjoyed more success than they have on a domestic tour because of other because of reasons uh where whatever they learn their game is has not evolved and is not constantly changing and ever changing very much like jordan and some of these other greats but they got a new coach jose Loyola was their coach but now um um leandro is their coach and leandro is part of that crew with arturo and pompilio and those guys are all about reps but not just that they're all about taking things and finding ways to change up so every time you scrimmage against these guys um you need to have something a little bit different because it becomes stale and when it becomes stale there are guys beating you on the inter on the domestic tour that international teams couldn't possibly do to you so i'm optimistic and not hopeful because i know leandro and i know his style and and to you and me, coaches are every everything. I mean, I mean, uh, I, I laid into some of these players on on a previous podcast about getting a good coach, right? And international good coaches are are a foregone conclusion. It's not even a question. So make mine try and Trevor, um, and I think I think they're gonna uh, they're gonna crack the code. I also think Budinger. Troy are good for the sport because of the interaction, right? Troy hamming it up with the fans shouldn't do it the same way Casey Patterson is because those are personalities, and we're not entirely sold that Troy Troy is Casey Casey on that um on that ham it up with the fans level, right? Um, but that's a good team, man. Two two guys that crack the code, they always find their way their way into the finals, winning or losing. Um, Casey, Phil, I I still like uh, uh, um. I mean, not a lot. I just like no more or less than anybody else. But Casey, I adore because he's he's just really good for the sport and what he's doing for the, on the youth scene. Yeah, man, mad love to him. So, I feel like we don't talk enough about how ahead of the curve he was in regards to like you just didn't have six seven defenders, and you know it wasn't just because Phil and Bennis just did it. You, you look at other sports. You look at basketball and and how point guards were never you know aside from Magic and Penny. You really didn't have tall point guards, right? No. And yeah. now you look at the league, and and once people just start getting refined at earlier ages, that changed. And so I just I, I'm shocked that you know we I brought up Logan Weber, and I'm 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 just throwing this out there, like that's a guy that I look at what he has, and I'm like with the right development, if he was willing to do so, he could be an incredible defender. And and you know you start putting teams together with with physicality like that, and just a, a violent high hitting side out game and and it's just hard pressed to believe that at some point you're not going to see a wave of six six to six nine guys say you know i could block but i've got the versatility and the interest in learning how to be a defender 
Yeah. Um, so well, the teams in the GOAT yeah. conversation are the ones that split block. I mean, right? Brazil had two of them. The Latvian split block, right? Mm -hmm. um, Karch and Steph has split block. Of course, that's before Beach as a game has evolved, right? Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, yeah, you're right. Wouldn't be surprised to see more of that. And the, yeah, that was something like when Kristen played with Marina for a year. Uh, they won with Pac in 2017 and made three NBL. You know, Kristen made a couple NBL draws. Like the thing that was so fun about, I, I think the other thing that we don't appreciate with split blocking is like, you know, it, it makes it harder for a team. Like Kristen, I felt was a much better presser as a blocker. And Marina was a little more crafty and, and really like she could pull and, and just dig everything anytime she got off the net. And when in the middle of a match, you're alternating styles of defense almost every side out. Um, it really makes it a little bit harder for that other team to kind of know what's coming at them, right? Like they have to be every play, be that much more aware of who's at the net, who's not, you know, what, what their strengths and weaknesses are with, depending on who's up there. So I, I think there's a versatility. You, you obviously have to have a team where the talent, um, you know, you don't feel like you're hurting yourself when one person's in the back and one's yes. in the front. And you can always start split. And if it's like a 14-14 game, okay, well, where have we been scoring our points? Is there a clear better pair against who we're playing against okay let's finish that way yeah that's saves how, your yeah. saves your blockers legs that's, yep that's so, how um so, trevor and yeah. reed won right remember trevor and reed pretty in manhattan yeah. beach they, they made a decision at the end i think it was trevor that was going to go up and block it had to be him jose's jose said it's got to be you and they you know and now they're on the pier <laughs> etched, yeah. so, etched in the pier. so yeah so i i think you know i think in the next five to 15 years you're going to start seeing the game's going to get even bigger Mm -hmm. um and and you're going to start seeing some of these people that that could be blockers you know again like i, I think i think taylor sander i i agree that given he just jumped into it and he's already playing against some of the best in the country and world um i think it's probably easier to use his physicality at the net short term mm -hmm. but long term i mean again i just think his, his style of play like that guy he's a really good blocker already at the beach but defensively like like that guy hits balls. I've never seen anything like it. Like there's, yeah. there's no one he's hit balls. And I'm like, that's the first time I've ever seen that happen. Yeah. And there's not a lot of players that, that give me that feeling uh, after all these years, but all of the players yeah. that give me that feeling were the ones that were indoor that recently transitioned to outdoor. I like when Reed pretty recently transitioned to outdoor, he had that, this like holy shit if you're not going to stop this at the net <laughs> it ain't getting dug in fact i the camera didn't even the the camera pixels right didn't even keep up with it so yeah yeah i've but, just never seen someone cut that sharp ball so hard and down yeah even against that quality of block and if you and if you dive on it he's you know he's used to play the double and triple block it is inside out down the line it's just yeah, it it's he's creating angles that no one else even you know I agree like Reed had a can of an arm but but I don't know if anyone has ever come to the beach with Taylor Sanders versatility it's been a minute with, with his line across it's been a know? minute and it's been so long we don't remember and 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 in our mind it did don't exist until until we can remember and I agree with you in that respect hundred percent you know but a lot of indoor players Chris Olnikoff you know when he hit, from Russia when he hit the outdoor scene he was. It was, and you know, it's like, oh, shit. Uh, on a local level, remember KJ, Chris Johnson, Chris Austin's partner, that jump serve that was like that. If you're not literally in there, it's it's just going to fly off of a body part. <laughs> you know, it just it just it made you giggle. The the serve was that fast. You're like, ha, ha, ha. 
Did I just do that? <laughs> yeah. No, don't do that. It's like, don't do that. All right. So topic number four, um, the junior scene. All right. It's more of our wheelhouse. The junior scene yep. for beach volleyball is still on a roll. Since it became an NCAA sport, the club sizes for beach juniors have tripled. Showcases for recruiting are popping up more. And girls who previously would split time with indoor and in the sand are making the decision to take their talents to the beach. So what are three things that attract juniors to the beach over indoor? Now, our basic rule is we can say the same things on this because there might be <laughs> 10 things or there might just be really three that we can think of. So let's allow each other permission. Um, you're going to go first on this. Floor is yours. Give me three things that you think attract. Um, wait, wait, wait. One, oh, sorry. The first question was, what are three things that attack, attract juniors to the beach over indoor? And the second question is, what are three things that attract coaches from coaching indoor to the beach? So we can divide and conquer. Oh, you want to um, do the players? I'll I'll do the players. You're good with that. Yeah, I'm not going to call you a lazy fuck. I think it's uh, I think it's <laughs> I think it's fun and and um, I'll do both. You just said we're splitting, so um, you know I get, let's I, let's rinse and repair at the end. You got the players. I'm, I'm, well, I got I got a lot more with with players uh, just because honestly, even in you know I'm in Chicago, it's not the biggest shift yet. Right. Um, although I can tell you my coaches are enjoying it. So, all right, three things. Uh, zero time. Boom. Uh, two of them are going to be more universal. Third will probably be us. So, number one, um, versatility. I get six foot, 15 year olds that have never been allowed to pass. I get girls with good whips that are shorter that have never been allowed to swing. So, I think kids like to be able to do everything. There's no playing time drama, there's no bench drama. It's just you're there, you're playing. Number two, um, I think they like the flexibility in my program. You know, parents pay a, a deposit and then each practice they develop. But because you don't need your position players, practices can you, you can show up on days you want, days you want. Don't you don't have to. My kids are going to go play in college. They are always there. I don't have to push that. Right. And the kids that want to be other things other than volleyball players, they get to play a sport at a very high level and do other things with their life. And the third one um, and, and kind of more on ours is just the individual attention. Every single kid in my program I work with. So our college-bound kids all the way to the sixth graders that have never touched a ball before. So I think everyone gets that one's team treatment in beach in a way that if I ran an indoor club and got bigger, I literally couldn't give that same touch because, you know, we have to have a specific coach for each individual team. I like that. Okay, allow me to tackle the coach's part. We'll definitely do a little rinse and repair at the end. Interesting, because uh, it's uh, you can't once ask again, me for a minute. No, I'm it's, an, it's <laughs> too interesting. I mean, come on, this is our wheel, our our wheelhouse more so than you than me. I, I'm I'm in and out all over the place. So for me, three things that attract um, indoor coaches to Coach Beach. One, there is no bench on the beach, and in the club scene. One of the biggest concerns is if you have a mid level uh, uh, program, there's always concern with parents and playing time. They're paying all this money. They want to see their kid play. Some of the elite clubs the parents already know the deal your kids just had a practice okay and and and, and cheer on and, and we've seen programs like that as well so i like the no bench on the beach for the coach um for the coach's perspective because he's not really have to answer be beholden to parents or whatever and do all that so the second thing i like is the coach's mentality is less stressful you're suffering less from referee uh, post referee whistle 
syndrome. I mean, you're in an indoor scene. It's like it's 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 referee PSD, uh, PTSD. Okay, so the environment's less hostile. You got to do again. It goes back to the parents too, who walk around like '90s rappers and shit. It's just angry all the goddamn time. And the third thing I like is as a coach, you 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 you, you there's less personalities to manage, right? You're you want you want to manage 12 people and you want to make time for everybody. You need an assistant coach, maybe an uh, a third assistant where where beach you really uh, depending on the number of people and and especially um in the in-game situation you're worried about two people um you know they're not going to be benched you can't bench it for anything so it's now you have to really do your freaking job right <laughs> it's like I, I sub you out for no i can't so so those are, those are the three things i like there's no bench on the beach two um don't have to worry about um the hot the um that not toxic, the hectic environment of indoor because outdoor everyone's relaxed. The mom's eating ch ch chicken fingers and sneaking in <laughs> wine and shit. So, so um, there's that, you know? I mean, the only thing, the only drawback is like, I coach indoor, I know my car's clean. You know that's, what I'm saying? I'll leave the beach. Point. I'm like, man, I got this California dust. I got to clean my car all the time. This, man, that's going to be the most desert. expensive damn thing you ever do because you're coaching beach. So, um, something you would like to add? Yeah, I just think, you know, and I can't speak for other regions, but like our region, you know, had a really chaotic year after COVID. I mean, it reverses refunding parents. They slam them into makeups in the spring. They were playing club while doing high school. It was chaos. And and within five weeks of of July, the big clubs voted to move tryouts up. And I'm going to tell you right now, it is about money. I, I'm I'm not going to pull punches with it. The smaller club directors hate it. The high schools hate it. The parents hate it. The players want to break. But if the small clubs don't run tryouts at the same time, the big clubs will poach their kids. If kids don't commit to that contract in July, then the club will find someone else and they lose their spot. Um, so I've got a couple of players that are finally starting to realize that while beach in the Midwest is not the norm, my program is not the norm. Um, you know, and, and I, I can't replicate giving you middle or setter reps for indoor. There are things that beach cannot apples to apples train that club can. Um, I think people are starting to realize that, you know what, maybe the norm isn't so normal. Maybe um, for, you know, don't get me wrong. There are players that have great coaches, great programs, great teams, and they have a great club experience. And that's awesome. Stay there. But there are a lot of families that are trying to provide for their kids equal opportunities and the people in power that are supposed to be guiding them are looking at them as an extra check. And, and there's nothing those players and parents can do that if they're not a certain caliber of athlete, um, they're not going to get the same opportunities as some of their bigger, faster, stronger peers. So I feel that that beach is going to become the sport for the kids that want, they have the drive to play at a high level for them, like be the best they can be. But they're at a physical level, whether it's because of their size, their physicality, they play other things beyond volleyball year round, um, where where the current system does not allow them to have the same opportunities for growth as as some of their peers. And, and I think Beach was my solution to to make sure that I can still challenge my college bound kids and give them proper training so that they were prepared to play at the next level while not doing so at the expense of the quality of education for my kids that had the same drive. Maybe they weren't going to play in college, but 
their parents are paying a lot of money, they're investing a lot of time, and they want the same opportunities for growth, the same educational tools uh, that their better, faster, stronger peers or more dedicated peers might have. Yeah, and it definitely works. It builds character, you know, and like you said, it's not necessarily for, for kids about where they want to go to college and what kind of scholarship they're going to get. I mean, uh, it's coaching these kids and having them conquer these demons are definitely translate to academics, definitely translate to their debate team, definitely translates to other things, maybe studying medicine. And it doesn't seem like it's related, but the drive and like you said, the ambition and how to problem solve uh, um, and sports in general, but in beach volleyball and specificity, if that's a word. Um, yeah, it works. It works. I mean, to some kids, the first time they will ever lose in their life, is going to be in a sporting event. The first time they will ever experience a loss. It's going to be yep. in a sporting event. So, so um, once again, well said. And I didn't even mean to add anything on that. Sometimes I, j I just got to let a mic drop, for Christ's sakes, <laughs> uh, and move on to the next topic. <laughs> Let's do it. All right. So next topic, the topic five. Uh, Brian, you are a longtime juniors coach. And the work you have put in over the years and in the manner in how you do it has gained uh, the love and respect of many of your peers, uh, mine in particular. Um, <laughs> Polarizing. Like, yeah, well, we're not going to straw man the people. It's in our human nature to be for like one person not to like us and pay all that attention to that one person. And in that case, I'm 50 years old, old enough to say fuck them. Um, in the spirit of doing what we love, this is a question that came from me and inspired for, by you, hmm. the coach and the fan. What is one important thing you look a kid in the eye and tell them that shapes their approach to this game? Oof. I mean, I think at the end of the day, I want all my kids to know that my job and goal is to help them get as far as they're willing to go, right? Like I'm willing to go as hard training as you're willing to put in. And I want them when they're there to give their absolute physical best effort. I want them to know that if they do that, that I'll always be proud of that and that I will recognize the growth. And I've never had a kid that's truly bought in that hasn't gotten better. They might not all win tournaments. They might not all make it to college, but, but I've never met a kid that, that if you got them to believe in themselves and they put the work in that they didn't improve. And so regardless of whether my kids play in college, regardless of whether my kids um, you know, just want to do it as a secondary thing. I want them to know that they have value that goes beyond their win loss record. I want them to, to learn how to deal with adversity, those life lessons you talked about and, and know that as a coach, it's a privilege to work with them. And I'm proud of them regardless of, of where they are in the win loss column, as long as they're playing the right way. And, and they do. You, oh, you almost made me cry. Ooh, I'm, man, wait till I see you. You almost, you, you almost got me, dude. Um, tears, Brian. That, that means, that means I'm being serious. That means a lot. And you know, I'm kidding about the tears, but like the seriousness of what you said, um, should not be glossed over with my bad satire. But it's, uh, that was great. Now, um, uh, my turn. Now, I, this question was inspired by you because we had previous conversations and, and, it's, and it's a sentiment that's always stuck with me, but you put it in the best words you, you knew how and I'm going to put it in the best words I know how right now. I will look that kid in the eye and I will bring myself down to eye level and not speak up here like an asshole. And I will say, don't let anyone tell you what you can and can't do. 
Don't let anyone, I'm going to say it again, don't let anyone tell you what you can and can't do. I remember you telling me a story about certain coaches lining kids up against the wall. You're tall, you're small, you're going to be this, you're never going to be that. You might as well forget it if you want to do this and this and that. And I say absolute baloney because there are way too many examples in, our, in, our, in, in every sport, never mind our sport, beach volleyball, where, where it's like, oh, that's just the one person. No, it's not just the one person, the Kristen Nusses, right, who, were the, who was the best player in college college volleyball and, and and her and Taryn going on on a on a whatever Taylor Crab six foot one graciously listed at six foot one and six two right player of the year at Long Beach State University a few years later the best player voted best player in the AVP and then this, this land of giants where people shape and size you uh, uh and tell you what you can and can't do at the end of the day why the hell is it these normal size people winning winning MVP why because a coach coaches like you and coaches like me told them hey I'm going to be real. You want to be an outside hitter? Yeah. Six inches shorter than the average girl. But if this is what you want, if this is what you want, that's the box. Those are the stairs. I'm your coach. That's your sports psychologist. Let's get to work. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, you know, the, the reality is, is 16 out of 17 kids aren't going to play in college that played high school sports. 16 out of 17. And so much of what, the experts and the governing bodies in our sports for youth sports talks about doesn't cater to the majority. And don't get me wrong. Like we have to make sure that we put a system in place that allows our top players to, to be pushed to be the absolute best. But when you've got an industry that was a $19 billion industry, and there are studies that show that it's looking to be closer to $77 billion by 2026. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not being done by taking care of kids and, and, you know, I'm, I'm, we're not talking about the fact that successful college athletes are taking their own lives. We're not talking about the fact that I'm tired of listening to people destroy this generation of kids and talk about how soft they are when we didn't have, you, you cannot play volleyball in high school in this area and not play year round. Like it, you can't be at a high level program and that coach isn't going to hold it against you if you don't play for a club and the clubs are expecting you to be there pretty much every single month that you're not in high school. Season. Yes. And if then it's we're your, like 11 month experience or 12 month and, experience. And, and, and I'm part of this online group of parents. And, and boy, if I really enjoyed that versus any coaching group and not to knock my coaches, but listening to the parents really talk from the heart about you can see how they're they're struggling because they want to provide their kid the same opportunities as their peers. They don't want to feel like they're they're not giving their kid the same opportunities, but they can also see how a lot of these kids are getting destroyed by their youth sports experience because they're not getting good coaches, you know? And, and I know I've gone on this tangent before, but the one big one that's really upsetting and I'm trying to get my parents to understand, if a club cannot tell you who the coach is going to be before you sign the contract, do not sign the contract. And I, a lot of parents are like, well, no club gives us that transparency. Well, as long as you keep cutting the check, then they're not going to give that transparency. But it's it's we're breaking kids and the powers that be in our pro. It's so weird because what makes money isn't about what's good for the kids. And we're just ignoring how bad the culture of youth sports is as a whole. Not saying there aren't good programs or good coaches, but top to bottom, it is for, for the amount of money that parents pay. It is robbery. The experience that they get sometimes and and i just feel so bad for parents 
that are trying to do the right thing. And and sadly, for some of them, honestly, I think the, the right thing is, you know what? This culture is not benefiting you. This culture is using you to fund the houses of these rich directors and not actually focus on, are you going to be better as a human being once you leave you sports versus feeling worse about yourself? But don't okay. you, oh. No, go ahead. Um, but don't you think that's where, it, uh, uh, don't you think that coaches should fucking know their role on this? Like you just said a, a minute ago uh, about the number of people who make it as college athletes or whatever and this and that, right? The one, the one person who should not come into that situation with that mindset is the coach. You come into well, that mindset about uh, this realist, realistic or whatever, you, you, you're going to find yourself not doing your fucking job. It is not your place to be telling people who can make it and who can't. Your job is to coach, to, to look at someone, to, to, to ask what they want out of it and to maximize that ability. You're gonna, it, you No, you got to be real with them, but you can't come in with that mindset because it seeps into your, your, your approach as a coach. You In so many ways, you might fail that kid as a coach if you do that. It, it's I'm, I'm a layer deeper. Like you're talking about the coaches. I'm talking about the directors that hire underqualified coaches. Ooh, you and I'm talking about now, and, I'm, and, I'm, <laughs> and I'm talking about the governing bodies that say, hey, you can after tryouts be someone that knows nothing about volleyball. Take this three hour impact certification. That's don't be alone with the kids. Don't touch the kids. Don't be in awe. Don't give a ride to the kids. And then you're a club coach. Like USAV could fix it like that. If they took the juniors money and instead of funding our national teams, actually put it back into the juniors education, either make it more affordable for better education, better education. There are so many coaches that and I'll be frank. I've got a player that, I, that is playing for me. She's such a hard worker. She's a sweet kid. She was coaching a 12s team. And, and she's a, I watched one. She, she was actually at my facility coaching her team. She's good. She's got the right intent. But the fact that these parents are paying thousands of dollars for someone that honestly is just learning things herself, right? Like you're starting to see in Chicago, 17 and 18 year olds that are working and that play for the club. And the club's like, you know what? We were five to 10 coaches short. You know, let's not cut these kids and actually let them go to a program where we have you know, a coach that, that might be good for them. Let's just find anyone that could fill the blank. And now clubs are, the bigger clubs are starting to see like, oh yeah, we can, you know, some of these kids want to work off their club dues. Well, let's just let them coach one of the other teams, you know? And then instead of paying a coach, we just have our club do not, you know, mm. they, they get a discount on it. It's, we, the people up top don't recognize how many parents and players bounce from club to club year to year and the clubs that are doing a poor job for their bottom half of their club they don't get punished because another 100 to 150 kids are going to come from the other clubs that are disgruntled right like it's okay here's your ones teams let's protect them let's make sure we give them good coaches they're happy and then all these kids that are going to leave let's just make sure instead of figuring out how do we give that group a better education well let's just make sure we market to all the kids that had that same experience at another club and bring them in and it's just it's crap it it's just not about the kids it's about the money and i'm not saying people shouldn't make money for a good product but the idea that the the richest club directors by me for for the majority of the families if you asked them off the record they would say i didn't get what i thought we were paying for um 
We need to find a way to make the quality of education matter more. And I think it sits with the parents. The parents have to start realizing if I'm paying all this money and my kid is not clearly getting better or my kid doesn't feel at least like they're starting to feel better about themselves. Like a coach is just screaming at my kids, but not actually giving them the proper education to go with it. Like we have to, we have to up our standards. And if we can't do it, then. And that starts with the program director. I really like your assertion on that because absolutely, um, if they can create this environment where the kids are driven and, and if they have the coaches capable of doing that, that is a win, win, win. For example, LA Volleyball Club, like we have two 13s teams, right? One is like the 13s ones. You know, they practice together for two years or they play together for two years. They're making a run. They're, you know, they're in a PVL. They're going, they got a bit for nationals. And there's me. I got, the, I got the twos, the girls that didn't even know how to play a position that are now playing organized traditional you know uh, I mean some some systems we were going to pass because they were serving lollipops so it was like real I mean old old school but that's not the point was the point you were trying to make and I think I'd like to echo that sentiment is you set up this environment where the kids can't wait to come to practice where the learning curve uh, uh, the, the educational curve and the value is not only instilled in them but but leaves them wanting more that that's a win and like you said there's no one or two coaches that's going to do that that has to be the program director on down plug up jason olive i've been i mean i don't i don't get to experience a lot of things you do because i've been kind of spoiled like you consider my program directors evolution duncan avery one of the greatest human beings that you'll ever meet in your life oh, and god bless him and his kids okay deron forbes you're not the kind of person you want to do business with all the time but on a personal note she loves the game she cares about the game and she sees a lot of stuff coming a mile away um, and now J.O., you know, J.O., we have a blood oath where he takes care of all of the bells and whistles where all I got to do is coach. And and it's coaching heaven. It's the youngest group I've ever coached um, on a personal note. But it's the most gratifying because yeah. it's, you get so, it's, so many big it's volleyball jumps when it's you're young. You know what I mean? The so, yeah. You get more aha moments. Yeah. But I love, I love what you said about that because it starts with the program director. Because half of the time, the, the, the ones team that they're protecting that they think has a good coach, that's not even a good coach either. He's a fuck. I mean, don't do what... Do I need to get started on the glorified babysitter thing? No, we, I'm gonna leave that. I'm gonna leave that oh. for another time because oh, we, I tell we, people we're trying to bang is... out 15 minutes on this thing and we good. <laughs> but go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, I you know I, the main thing I tell parents is like you know what? Show me their lowest level team mm -hmm. and what type of experience they're getting, and that's how I mark a program. You yeah. know what I mean? Like you, you go any club would take the top top teams in mm -hmm. Chicago right now and win. Like yep. you get all the genetic outliers and you give them a decent amount of coaching. They're going to be successful. Right. Mm -hmm. But, but show me what your, you know, your, your weakest coach, what, what is the weakest coach you're willing to hire? Like the, I've got four coaches. I, I stand by all of them and I'm literally paying them to spend two hours a week playing with them because I want to teach them on the court okay. and I respect their time. Yeah. Let right? me jump in. Yeah. You know, and, and it's important to me. And I like that because also like when, when you play with your coaches and it's, it's something that you could do more with beach. Right. But like by playing with my coaches, like I feel our coaching staff has as much empathy as any coaching staff I've ever been a part of, because when you've had to go through it, right. You're a lot more patient. And, and most of my coaches that come in are very talented indoor players with a lot of, of 
Um, you know, they've got the right mentality. Like I find the coaches, they might be raw, but I'm like, your personality, I can't yeah. teach. I can teach the rest. Yeah. And, and, and they're my never going to hurt your game. They're just levels how much they can help. Then those, that, right. that kind of person rarely hurts your game. Right. So like right now, like they're, they're helping with the camp and they're good. Like they're, they're they, they know the basic stuff, but I want to train them up so that if I ever don't have the ability to be with one of my advanced groups and they, they work with them, it's not like, you know, the substitute teacher where it's like, we're, we're popping a video in, right? Like I want the education to still be the same, even when it might be different, but it shouldn't be lower. And, and so I just think it's important. Like that again, it's, it's, I understand when these organizations have no financial incentive, if you look at it strictly as a business, but at some point, shouldn't we look at you sports as, as something that can be a business, but shouldn't be at the expense of the quality of the well-being for the kids. Yeah. Um, well, just- yeah. I mean, half of youth sports, they, all they got to do is read their own mission statement. <laughs> their mission statement as a sales pitch so they can have good business. If you actually read your own sales pitch, if you follow that, it's like, wow, okay. I can, you know, wow, I, I get paid. I don't get paid to care. I, I, I'm going to care for free. <laughs> I'm going to care for free. So lightning round questions. These are just for you. 60 seconds. Oh We're going to bang out as many as we can. All right. Ready? All right. Um, and sorry, let's get my horn ready. <laughs> and boom. Okay. Solo lightning rounds. Pool or beach? Beach. I can't swim. Who's, who's a better player? You or your wife? Oh, Kristen. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Uh, last good book you read uh right now i'm reading um strategy of you by uh rich horwith it's actually the parent of one of my players it's it's i needed that it's a good book favorite childhood athlete uh michael jordan cool marvel or dc you know i i don't pay as much attention to it but i've watched the adventures of marvel okay your other favorite sport to watch High-level tennis. I was a big Federer fan, and, and we've gotten so spoiled with Djokovic, Federer, and Nadal. Awesome sport in person, too. Ice cream or cupcakes? Ice cream. Bad, bad habit. <laughs> I'm addicted. Um, hip-hop artists you grew up listening to? Ooh. Um, Tribe Called Quest, Eminem, Ludacris, Snoop. Nice. Your favorite volleyball venue when you played? Ooh, uh, I'll tell you, I didn't play. I played there last year. I like the island. Keep your eye on the island. They're, they're still constructing. Uh, island's going to be something where is big. This? Where, where, where? where? Uh, Denver, Colorado. Okay. Just just, just wait till the, the promised land's being built right now. I'm, they, they're trying to be done by July. I was there a couple weeks ago. I was there in September. I don't think uh, Tom Davenport gets credit for his impact on the beach volleyball community. No doubt. No and, doubt. Uh, yeah. And and the Davenport you know, people th- need to pay attention to. And and let me tell you, watching that event last weekend, and from the morning to the end, that guy's moving tables, he's moving chairs. I have respect for a guy that absolutely could have everyone else do things, but he just wants it done a certain way. He cares. Um, love that place. I used to love playing at Bradford Beach uh, when I was competing. Um, I played there over Chicago tournaments. Todd Goronsky. Um, miss having him as a promoter. Uh, he was he was fantastic. So that's where a lot of my memories. Uh, stem yeah. from so there's a big plug tom davenport south of the border vacations man you made that happen it was the best vacation i've ever been on my on my life in my life nice. um 
so that's all I got, but I'd like to finish. Um, and you're going to finish after me, but I want to give a shout out to Miles Evans. When I met Miles Evans, um, he was, we were coaching uh, together at Endless Summer, and he was kind of like a player coach. And again, the kind of person that wasn't going to hurt your game. It was just a question of how much he was going to help. Is, is he a player coaching or is he a coach, right? And then he's been training a guy uh, uh, that I made friends with. I sang karaoke with last night. And they were just showing me videos of, of like the training and some of the conversations he's been having. And I saw this guy show significant improvement in like a four month period and and he he, he credits miles and I've, I've been watching miles work with him on the beach so miles uh big shout out um i you know i always tease players that become coaches because i'm like y'all a bunch of hacks but the respect i have for the work he's put in particularly with this guy you have my my profound respect so my mad props monday it's, it's tuesday though goes to miles <laughs> evans okay nice it'll be testimonial tuesday right yeah there it so, is. Cool. Shit. All I, need is, all I need is you to keep the rhythm going. Um, <laughs> anything you want to say before we get out of here? No, man. I appreciate you having me. You know, if, if, we're, if you're in the Chicagoland area and you're a I'm beach coming. person, hit me up. I'm um, coming. <laughs> yeah, man. Let me know. So, but it's been fun to occasionally have some some transplants come in and, and we've got mm -hmm. two indoor courts and happy to help people find games. Any youth sports parents or players listening, be true to yourself. Do what you want to do. Mm -hmm. Find a program that, you know, you have to be realistic, but find a program that respects you and is transparent with you. And, and if the norm ain't serving you, don't be afraid to break away from it. You will not regret it once you're done with it. A lot of my players are very nervous to leave what the norm is uh, in the area, uh, but, but not a lot of them look back once they start. So I, I hope people find the courage to find their own path. If the path's being presented to them, um, don't always serve them. There it is. All right. Cool, man. That's a great message. Brian might love you guys, but me, I don't love any of you guys. In fact, <laughs> I can't stand you. So I'm out of here. All right. I've had it with you. So for all of you at home, for all of you at, on the lunch line at Starbucks, for all of you on your desktop, for all of you on your droid, if that's still a thing, I don't even think anyone has a droid <laughs> anymore. For my man from Progression Beach Volleyball in Chicago, Brian McDermott, this is episode 141. I'm Jason DeBayas. I'm going to hit my music. Stay with me. But for now, we are out of here. Come check out the Option Podcast on OptionDB.com. It's also available on iTunes and Spotify and on YouTube under the NY Varsity Sports Handle. You're going to love what you hear.